opposing the government and opposing the Conservatives. I'm afraid it's the hard left who want to tighten their control. They want to uh, sideline uh, moderate voices. I don't think anybody should be surprised about that is the nature of the hard left. And of course, we know that the hard left famously cannot tolerate any who dissent. Who are the hard left, Chris? Well, we know who the hard left who associate with the hard left. You just said that we were right, right, too right wing. Hard left Printing money, nationalisation without compensation. Hard left Maybe we should talk about South Park, like the object of our convening like this today. I guess we should introduce our guest first. I, I mean, I'm worried I might pronounce your name wrong if there's some kind of Welsh trickery that, that goes into <laughs> pronouncing it. Is it just Stefan? Stefan? Stefan, Stefan yeah. Stefan, yeah. yeah. yeah oh, sweet. Okay, fine. Thank you. Thank you, Wales, for that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, make it nice and easy. Like, what's that people always like say to me? They go like, oh, you've got a really unusual name, but it's like only in like England do you have people called like Stephen and shit. They're like, all the rest of you are everyone's called fucking Stefan. But <laughs> yeah, always, no, like, I've I'm met the weird one. Like. Yeah, man. So anyway, I'm alright. I'm also known as Shrieking Tin Man and occasionally on Desolation Radio. And I'm here to talk about South Park, like. Yes. <laughs> so, I mean, I guess we should probably start by talking about our personal histories with South Park. I mean, just as a side note, I was trying to, like, squeeze in a bit of last-minute research before we did this and listen to a few different things, but the stuff I listened to was all, like, pretty crap. So, like, I listened <laughs> to... I thought it was going to be an interview with Matt Stone and Trey Parker, but it was just some shit like this where people were talking about them. Uh, <laughs> some fucking terrible shit like this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Just fuck about that nonsense. Uh, <laughs> and then I put on this thing which was like, is South Park postmodern? And I really regretted that because I just ended up, like, I couldn't really... I didn't really have my hands free to, like, turn it off because I was trying to get my food ready and get the computer set up. So I ended up just listening to like half an hour of this fucking guy boring the arse off me who described himself and i quote as balls deep in the libertarian movement uh, going on about theories of postmodernism and why jordan peterson and noam chomsky find common ground on this issue and it went well, like, if... in one ear and out the other because i was just like when is he, when's he gonna talk about south park if it falls well, deep like, in the libertarian movement, the libertarian movement is old enough to be above the age of consent. So <laughs> is he really? Yeah, would he put it interesting? But, yeah. <laughs> but like, <laughs> with South Park, I think about it, and with, I was talking about it with you, obviously, like off mic, but it's amazing because I, I was kind of here for The Simpsons doing this, but I was also, you know, youngish when South Park, and fucking hell, I was like terrified of revealing my age and it. Youngish when South Park and Family Guy came out, and it was unreal how popular those things were. Yeah. And like we're talking about the first series of South Park, and I remember there was like one kid nearby who was a friend of mine when I was about eleven or so, and he had like the first series on video, and he was one of those kids, you know, like their parents like indulge them and they don't impose like proper boundaries. They're just letting him watch like first series of South Park. I remember being like fucking incredibly excited to go to this kid's house and watch South Park. And I was watching it, just like. This is absolute shit. Like, fuck knows why I stuck with it because it got good after that. Like, but it was absolute dog shit for like good, good couple of years. But it yeah. was um, 
Yeah, it was, wasn't it? But like, uh, it was so popular because I think you're like near my age. I think you probably experienced it. was insane. Mm-hmm. It was just like everything. Like, yeah. Every, all the kids were just like so violently into it. It was unreal, man. Yeah, the weird thing I think about South Park is, as you say, the first couple of years of it are incredibly hit and miss and quite thin. There's some good stuff in it, but it's not a great show by any means. But it was that first couple of years that yeah, the huge hype, it was a huge sort of pop cultural phenomenon. And it yeah. was sort of, after that, as it got better, it wasn't unpopular, but it was just like, oh yeah, South Park's on, I'll watch that. But That's the uh, thing, you know, it's like you're trying to like, encourage people to watch it, but then it's like they've yeah. only seen like one episode with like an elephant fucking a pig or whatever. <laughs> yeah. They're trying to persuade someone to say, actually, it makes some, you know, fairly interesting points about modern societies. <laughs> I can remember like two different ages at which South Park seemed to me kind of like impossibly adult and Mm -hmm. unknowable and cool and stuff. This was firstly, it was when I was too young to watch it. I remember Mm -hmm. uh, going, we went to Ireland, my family, to the place erroneously known as Northern Ireland. the north the six counties like yeah exactly we went there and i remember one of my relatives there was watching it and i was too young to really get it but i could just get that this was a cartoon and it was irreverent and crude looking and it looked kind of childish but i just knew it wasn't it wasn't like the stuff on boomerang or whatever and then i remember a couple of years later i'd seen some south park by that point like when i was about 10 it was like one of the only times before university that i had a tv in my room and it was this crappy old tv that i'd got my parents used to have it in the kitchen or something and it had a built-in vhs player and you could still like get vhs's at charity shops at that point and stuff so i i got a couple of these videos of the first season of south park and i'd watched that and it was like wow this is very funny and you know it's all about like Cartman getting an anal probe that's like the very first episode so you can kind of like understand a lot of the humour by the time you're around 10 you get what's funny about aliens going up Cartman's ass (laughs) but at the same time I knew that there was this movie which I'd seen some clips from where there was a song which had the F word in it loads and loads of times <laughs> I, I knew there was that and there was a clip from that where Cartman says suck my balls or whatever I was like man this is the most like hardcore shit I've ever like, heard <laughs> how would you like to go see the school counselor how would you like to suck my balls <gasps> what did you say uh, I'm sorry I'm sorry actually what I said was how would you like to suck my balls and then, like Salo or something. Like. And then simultaneously, I had access to the internet, so I was seeing the new episodes that mm. would have been coming out around that time, and they just looked like seeing the death of Eric Cartman or South Park is gay. It just seemed like a whole different show. It seemed so much slicker and more hard hitting, and it was just like. Now, I really want to watch that. <laughs> so, it's definitely a show I've had a long history with. I think I've pretty much consistently watched it. But, like, it is unreal. Like, what I think with it is that it's got the combination of, you know, you don't want to sort of overhype it. You don't want to be like, oh, this is like a sort of profound. Tr-. Because, mm-hmm. again, you don't want to be too kind to the creators of this because they've got 
an opinion of South Park which is higher than it should be, but also they have got like an awareness that they aren't actually making a great work of satiric arts. It's prepared to be incredibly fucking stupid and then like slightly insightful. There's a lot of there, which is like a great mixture of a comedy. I mean, it blows my mind. There's a couple of things that people talk about when they talk about comedy in particular, online and on social media and things, where they say that either they say that like South Park curdled like an entire generation politically. So they you know, ruin the brains of like a you know everyone roughly my age is like some sort of right wing shit then because they watched so much South Park when they were young, or they say this insane thing which is the right wing people can't make comedy which is like the most <laughs> bewildering thing I can imagine thinking but like there's the same sort of combination of incredible stupidity but like a sort of deep affection for the characters but kind of horror as well and sort of obscenity that you get in the live action Mike Judge films and stuff like Idiocracy mm-hmm. I think I want Beavis and Butter and things like that where it's like this sort of profoundly curdled right wing attitude towards humanity but it is actually pretty fucking funny if you sit down and watch it you can't dismiss it entirely out of hand as being like some sort of libertarian fucking propaganda it is actually yeah. funny and you can't deny that it's funny because you disagree with it politically i would agree with that south park's politics can be at times not explicitly right wing at times fairly explicitly left wing <laughs> and often kind of inscrutable or even sometimes <laughs> you sense that they don't particularly care about the particular yeah. issue. Well, it's a couple of episodes stick out for me politically in terms of the ones that have pissed me off personally on like a human <laughs> level, mm-hmm. the ones that have annoyed me. There's the Iraq war one. I'm a little bit country. Yeah, country, country, a little bit rock and roll, where they, they make the point that because the United States is a democracy, they can present two faces to the world of being both anti-war and pro-war. And it just seems like in the face of the Iraq war, that is the single most obtuse point you could make. But then there's another yeah, one, true. which is directly, I think, during the Writers Guild of America strike back in the noughties or early tens. And they did like an entire episode about how you couldn't monetize internet fame and the Writers Guild's demands were unrealistic. <laughs> and I was just like actively like just doing yeah. 22 minutes of TV, just outright scabbing that that aged well as well you can't make money off the internet (laughs) yeah man it's just fucking daft but like you know it's like well it sounds right to me I have not been able to (laughs) (laughs) Jack Jack award yourself a bite of your meal right now (laughs) (laughs) I need all the the food I can get to struggle through these (laughs) impecunious circumstances that the internet has wrought upon me Yeah, man, like, but you're you're, you're right, and the, and the problems with that Iraq war episode are also reflected in the analysis of the uh, war on terror era in Matt Stone and Trey Parker's feature film, Team America, World Police. Yeah, I was actually familiar with that movie before South Park, really. Mm. I, <laughs> I'd seen a couple episodes before, but I actually only really watched South Park properly for the first time when I was... 17 i think so yeah, amazing, i got it, i got to do it pretty late but you're absolutely right jack didn't mean to totally detract from your point there. no uh, to that it. yeah world police is very much set in that recently post 9-11 world where jack bauer has to get the terrorist kind of yeah, <laughs> background it, you know what i mean and it kind of is like yeah the u.s imperial state does have its issues but I mean, what about these annoying, smug Hollywood celebrities, eh? <laughs> I, get, I get to see this. The real uh, bad guys in the world, yeah, exactly. yes. Because I'm, uh, whatever the acronym is, LGBTQA or whatever, because I'm of that persuasion, I get to see 
that they changed the Screen Actors Guild to fag, don't they? Which is uh, it's like staggeringly pointless. Just call them the Film Actors Guild. Yeah. Just call them the entire trade union basically gay. Like, at least it's like I cannot, I can't. Like, I'd love to be able to. Actually, I wouldn't like to be the type of person who pretend that that wasn't funny to me. Yeah, you know? yeah, I, know. I think <laughs> that's a good like, joke. It's so, it's so, it's so like fucking, fucking like base and stupid. And sometimes <laughs> yeah. that's when these guys are. Well, I wouldn't say that's them at their best, but it's kind of funny. <laughs> it's very well, like, iconic of them. Like it's what yeah, they it's what they're known for. Yeah, know? I mean these these are yeah. guys who like back in the day they had to show a big black box over him, but they tried to show the Prophet Muhammad <laughs> on them, on their show. What's that like? Yeah, you only that is like yeah, man. With the Prophet Muhammad thing, they'd had a couple of series before. They'd had an entire episode where they depicted the Prophet Muhammad for the entire episode length called Super Friends, where they just had like all the sort of prophets and all the sort of godhead figures of all the major religions oh, yeah. like working together as like superheroes. So they'd done that, but basically the political context had changed around the depiction of the <laughs> Prophet Muhammad in like the intervening five years. And then it was like when he was like, you know, causing like actual riots and stuff, they were like, Yeah, that was a good time. Like that was the best time to <laughs> whack out of Just deliberately again. inflammatory. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, exactly, because that makes them want to do it more. Was that after... It wasn't a Charlie Hebdo thing, but was that after a, like, Danish a journalist cartoons, was murdered? Uh, it was the journalist Boston cartoons, yeah, yeah. A cartoonist, was, yeah, for drawing yeah. for Prophet Muhammad. And, yeah, and it's just, like, the fact that Scientology actively go after everybody who makes fun of them or criticizes them in any way that made them want to go, go for them <laughs> yeah. even more and i think that episode that was a good still, one still quite funny yeah trapped in the closet yeah. <laughs> it's amazing man when they got the scientology thing and then they call them like the explorers guild or something and then they're all they basically like show people like a slideshow of like a sort of stuffy explorer english Explorer type with like a pith helmet and stuff, and he's just showing all the children that he's had sex with. Oh, all you're, <laughs> thinking, you're thinking of their sort of second treatise on Scientology, The Return of Chef. So their first yeah. one is literally about Scientology in it, and they have all those captions on screen when this they're explaining the, yeah. Scientology, the stuff that you're supposed to find out about the world and the nature of life and so on, when you get to the very top levels, like Tom Cruise and that. That stuff is not meant to be for public consumption, but it's got out via court documents. And um, <laughs> because, as we say, this is a very litigious organisation. And um, <laughs> so South Park kind of explained some of this stuff in their Trapped in the Closet episode where Tom Cruise is hiding in the closet. I mean, <laughs> they're not above those kind of broad jokes or, or indeed <laughs> gay jokes. No. But they explain some of the shit that Scientologists actually believe in that. And they have a caption on screen saying, this is what Scientologists actually believe. And then in the episode that Stefan mentioned, The Return of Chef, which was made after Isaac Hayes, the legendary soul singer who played Chef, had left the show due to disagreements mainly on their criticisms of Scientology in that other episode. Yeah. He was a Scientologist himself. When they're explaining what the paedophile organisation, the Super Adventure Club, believe in, in that, <laughs> they have a caption on screen saying, this is what the Super Adventure Club actually believes. <laughs> <laughs> Shit, man. You think we go around the world molesting children just because it feels really, 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 really good? No! Our club has a message and a secret that explains the mysteries of life. Oh, Jesus, here we go. 
Very well. I'm now going to tell you the secret of the Super Adventure Club. We don't want to hear it. You see, the Super Adventure Club was founded by the greatest explorer of all time, William P. Phineas. Phineas climbed the highest peaks, tamed the mightiest rivers. But every time he got somewhere, he realized that other explorers had beat him to it. Phineas was depressed until he realized that if he couldn't be the first to discover places, he could be the first to have sex with the native children that inhabited those areas. Phineas quickly went down in history books as the first man to have sex with the Aborigine children at Uluru and the first explorer to bugger all the underage mountain folk of Nepal. But now the most wonderful part. You see, after having sex with all those children, Phineas realized that molesting all those kids had made him immortal. Immortal. He discovered that children have things called marlocks in their bodies. And when an adult has sex with a child, the marlocks implode, feeding the adult's receptor cavity with energy that causes immortality, so saith the ruler of Bethos. Phineas traveled the world, loving many, many children. And he lived for eternity, until he was hit by a train in 1892. What's that like, fucking grim man with Scientology? The Isaac Hayes stuff, obviously he's fine, he can believe what he wants, but basically because they don't believe, they're kind of theologically related like Christian scientism and stuff, but they don't really believe that illness is like actual and real, they think it can be like overcome with positive thought and stuff. So they had him like, because obviously they were milking him for cash as well, but they had him performing several gigs at the House of Blues immediately post-stroke. So they just had a bloke who could like only had control like half his body, and that's like oh, oh he'll good, be fine. how good, the, yeah, how good the Church of Scientology was specifically to Isaac Hayes, man. Fucking, Fucking terrible, there. Mm. Yeah, so that's the thing. You want to be cartoonish about it? You want to be like, oh, they are terrible. They are fucking terrible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really but, bad. Know, it'd be so good if they found this. I don't want to say like boutique or niche podcast or whatever, but you know this podcast. If they found this podcast, and then who just like put the full fucking weight of the Scientology organization against <laughs> me specifically. Scientologists yeah, just going through every single podcast where anyone discusses <laughs> South Park, just in case they, they they talk about either of those two episodes. Well, they just like send they just send someone to my like house with like a video camera and stuff, just asking me about all the tweets I post for sucking people off. Like, <laughs> but when <laughs> um, Isaac Hayes, who I love by the way, like Hot mm. Buttered Soul is one of the best oh, yeah. fucking yeah. albums. When he left the show, they basically put out a statement which I think is really indicative of where they're coming from politically or maybe at least where they have in the past where they said well he didn't have a problem when we were ripping on Christians and Jews and Muslims it was just Scientologists (laughs) and I don't know if they would say so much anymore oh we're equal opportunity offenders I think that's kind of gone out of fashion and they're well Mm. aware of it the show isn't necessarily always particularly right wing and nowadays I don't think it is at all, really. Yeah, I think there has been like a shift. Has Please South Park. Park gotten woke? Yes, <laughs> no, I literally think it has. I mean, it's not woke like Park. it's not super politically correct, and I, I mean, they still have that PC principal character who's like a really <laughs> yeah. terrible character. He's just like yeah. a jock 
who's really politically correct. But at the same time, like, they've turned him into a sympathetic character and stuff, so they really have softened on all that stuff, and obviously they apologise to Al Gore, which he very graciously accepted. They, um... Yeah, I didn't know that, man. I didn't know the apologies. Was it about climate change specifically? Yeah, 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 they did. Oh, Jesus Christ. No, they did did an episode a couple of years ago where Man Bear Pig literally kills Satan. (laughs) 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 Like, everyone's like, shit, this Man Bear Pig situation is clearly... He's clearly real. It's out of control. Al Gore was right. We need to really get desperate here and call on the Prince of Darkness himself to help us defeat Man Bear Pig. And then Satan is brutally killed by Man Bear Pig. I think, like, was it the depiction of Satan in South Park is genuinely, like, think probably one of the funniest things they ever devised. <laughs> gay with like, Saddam seen... Hussein. <laughs> yeah, he's like gay with Saddam Hussein. But also the fact that he's this enormous sort of like hulking beast, but he's like a sort of really gentle and sympathetic yeah. character. Yeah. <laughs> he's like really nice. Yeah. <laughs> it's like such a stupid fucking thing to have done with the idea of Satan. It fucking gets me every time that. But like, I remember back when the film, it's one of those things that I'm slowly getting more or less ashamed, depending on how I feel on the day, about the fact that the South Park film is my favourite film of all time. Oh, wow. <laughs> I, started to, I started saying it to annoy people who liked films. And now I'm just going to say, I'm right, my actual opinion, right? So it is my favourite film You've of all time. You've worked yourself into like, it being true. Yeah, exactly. Brilliant. But, like, I remember with... Um, with reading that, I remember reading with my brother when we were teenagers, going through some Christian parenting guides website, <laughs> yeah. a guide to the South Park film in particular. Oh, yeah. I read those as oh, well. Yeah. Was like, it the yeah. film, the I, film I used, site? Yeah. I had yeah. an argument with the guy who ran the site. I was like, oh, wow. I think this is stupid. I believe in free speech. You should be able to say fuck in a film. I was like 10. Like, <laughs> this American Christian dude. Yeah, well, I remember reading the review listing all the sort of pointless sort of scatological or violent yeah. acts and stuff. Oh yeah, it's so it. funny and just to like, see it all yeah. laid out like that. You're like, this is <laughs> genius. Like, it's almost so funnier than the film itself, seeing a <laughs> yeah. very sort of cold written description of everything that happens in the film. <laughs> yeah, whoever just, like, said you shouldn't stare your... too close at the picture? A few, more recently, <laughs> a few years back, they brought out the first South Park computer game in a long time, an RPG on various formats. And that mm. was pretty good. It went down quite well. But Australia notoriously censors computer games really quite draconially, like more so than they do films, TV, that sort of thing. And the there, Australian there, government. There were some scenes, I think, <laughs> I, I can't remember, it's been a few years since I played it, I think where a character would get anal probed or something in the game. <laughs> and they censored, they sort of blanket censored the whole scenes in Australia. <laughs> but the way they did it is the version of the game they brought out there would have... Did it have a koala explain it to you? <laughs> uh, it, it, but it had a written description of what you couldn't see. Sorry, Australia, you're not able to play this section of the game. These characters have been abducted, they're bound to high tables, still appear to be asleep, and are being thoroughly probed through their anuses. And it has a, a picture in the South Park style of a koala bear crying floods of tears <laughs> as this happened. And that was almost funnier than the actual version of the scene that everyone else got to play. Well, that's them being prepared to ruffle mm-hmm. feathers, you know. They know that they're going to piss people off and run into the censors and they're yeah. not going to be like, oh, shit, oh, this is the worst thing ever. They're going to find a way to use the situation to their mm-hmm. advantage. Yeah. 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 Well, we're on the South Park film, I remember... 
me and my dad had gone to see Star Wars Episode One in the cinema, and there was a slight fault with the projector that cut out about 30 seconds of the film that had no plot relevance. So they gave us free tickets to use for a, a future film. And we came back like a month later or whenever it was to watch South Park. I can't remember I can't remember what certificate it was, but it's probably bad parenting on my dad's part to bring me to see it. I don't 15, think we always I think. It. Yeah, and I would have been 12, but it's not me. <laughs> and, but like, I obviously watched the series at that point anyway. And, Respect um, to your dad, honestly, and to yeah, the cool yeah. uh, person at the cinema who let this obviously <laughs> underage person in. Oh, this cinema would let people away with all sorts, to be fair. When um, I was 12, just for more, when I was 12, my dad took me to see Borat. So. <laughs> <laughs> I had to watch that, that was uncomfortable. <laughs> the section, I think it was at the start of the film, wasn't it? The Terence and Philip section with the song that says fuck about a million times in it. Uncle Fucker. And me and my dad were both in fucking tears. I, I've, not, <laughs> I've not seen a crowd, the whole fairly crowded cinema, just absolutely lose it at a scene. What's that? Like, my years on, but then that. I heard it's that at such an age where the phrases in that song will always be indelible to me. I'll never forget. <laughs> You're a boner biting bastard. <laughs> It's true, nobody fucks uncles quite like you. I'll never forget this stuff. <laughs> but like Terms and Philip are beautiful, they're like a sort of meta commentary on yeah. South Park itself. Yeah. It's like creating within the world of South Park a stupider version of South Park that exists. In the same way that it just scratches with the with yeah. like except that Terence and Philip are incredibly funny within the show and they're not like in a different style of animation. You know, it's obviously fucking itchy and scratchy are just old-fashioned Looney Tunes slapstick yeah. animation. But yeah. like, Tenzer Philip is exactly the same thing as South Park. It's funny, independent of itself. And, like, some of the actual full-length episodes about Tenzer Philip are some of my favourite South Park yes. episodes. Yeah. <laughs> just like, but, again, it's just violently a bit... Uncle Fucker, my favourite line of that is the one about how the subject of the piece doesn't eat or sleep or mow the lawn, he just fucks his uncle all day long. (laughs) (laughs) Eating, sleeping and mowing the lawn are the three possible activities of humanity. They've forgotten them completely. The fuck their uncle is incredible. (laughs) (laughs) There's also Kyle's mum's a bitch. That song that contains the word bitch about 500 times. (laughs) And it's got blackface as well. Just as an extra. (laughs) (laughs) She's a big, fat, stupid bitch. Don't say it, Cartman. Wait! Don't do it, Cartman! Wait! I'm warning you! Okay, okay. 
I'm getting pretty sick of him calling my mom. Well, cause mom's a bitch, she's a big fat bitch, she's the biggest bitch in the whole wide world. She's a stupid bitch, she's a bitch, she's a bitch, she's a bitch to all the boys and girls. Shut your fucking mouth, Carmen! On Monday, she's a bitch, on Tuesday, she's a bitch, and Wednesday to Saturday, she's a bitch. Then on Sunday, just to be different, she's a super king, come a me a bitch. Come on, you all know the word. You have met my friend, cause mom, she's the biggest bitch in the whole wide world. To me, no bitch, and she has stupid hair, she's a bitch, 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 bitch. Mama, you're for fighting one, 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 As far as I know, it hasn't God. been taken off any streaming services. <laughs> South Park seems to be basically immune to this kind of stuff. No episodes have been taken down as far as I know. No, there are some of the ones you mentioned already for depictions of religion have been taken down. Oh, really? Because I was wondering yeah. if mainly, I think like the most blackface adjacent offensive thing on the show has got to be like Trey Parker's Japanese voice, which I, I, <laughs> I assume it's him doing God, yeah. it. But like there's, there's loads of episodes where like the Japanese feature in some way, such as whale whores, where the Japanese are just coming along and massacring all the whales in SeaWorld or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> oh no, it's the Japanese! <laughs> you dolphin! You Dan Deardorff here, welcoming you to this great football matchup between the Kansas City Chiefs and the Miami Dolphins. We're all set for kickoff and... Oh, and Dan, it looks like Japanese people are now rushing onto the field. This is not the kind of thing you want happening during kickoff. You Dolphin! And you have the milk that is... Taken from cows in the south and taken from cows. It's really Trey accent, you know, he, go, he goes all <laughs> out with it. I sort of thought, okay, I generally assumed most ethnic minority voices on the show were just done by Matt and Trey and whoever else yeah. was working with them at the they, time. They definitely have a brown Muslim kind of voice for a lot of the episodes that riff on the war and terror. Yeah, oh yeah, that what Durka Durka Mohammed Jihad. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's all the terrorists say in Team America. Jesus <laughs> With the Japanese accent, we were talking again off mic. We were saying there's an episode where his Chinese accent encounter and the Japanese accent encounter <laughs> face off against each other, and then it ends with the Japanese character killing himself, but then insisting as he's falling to his death that this is not a cultural stereotype. Because <laughs> 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 the Chinese guy keeps trying to kill him and be like, "Oh no, Mr. Japanese man is killing himself." <laughs> I, I'm not going to try and do the accent, but they do try. Yeah, <laughs> 
do try and comment on that actually they do make a kind of meta commentary on that in that episode i think no it's in a different episode actually where it turns out that the city walk guy because there is a whole running joke throughout almost the entirety of south park that Chinese people have a funny accent that makes city sound like shitty. Yeah. They really get a lot of mileage out of this joke. <laughs> uh, and then eventually, like a couple of seasons ago, they revealed in a twist that actually the city walk guy is a white guy pretending to be a Chinese guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's loads of broad strokes ethnic comedy throughout it. I think they've gradually moved away from that. I think a lot of the sort of ideological softening and stuff that you talked about probably just is a function of Trey Parker, you know, the only writer of South Park, just becoming wealthy beyond our imagining, really. Just becoming one of the richest Hollywood libs imaginable. Yeah. I think if he was still like sort of felt like he was struggling against the system or you know that he wasn't getting his due or something, he might have a bit more of that sort of bitterness and stuff. But I think he's sort of just mellowing into an enormous fucking pile of dollars. Just fucking <laughs> melting into it. Like, like when one of my friends went to see the Book of Mormon, I think they were in like the brief relaxation of restrictions here, and he was like mailing me links to songs. And I was like, no, I'm never gonna listen to these. I don't wanna get these fucking songs stuck in my head about like <laughs> <laughs> but like my you know, Mormon missionaries and like you know, African barbarians and stuff, I don't want to fucking hear that. Like, <laughs> there's a really, really good documentary. I don't know if you've seen it, but there's a making of documentary. Oh yeah, five days to air or something, isn't it? It's fucking demented. It's like an hour long, you know, but it's like every episode is written and recorded in a week. Yeah. And like unanimated within a week to go out on the weekend or whatever. And Trey Parker writes, apart from like the sort of broad outline, he writes every single word himself, just like locked in like a windowless room. Right. <laughs> it's like yeah. the most fucking grim Basically, thing. Basically, since like season five, Trey Parker's written and directed every single episode. It's like the odd episode where, and I really mean the odd episode, like a handful, probably less than 10, where like somebody else is credited with co-writing or co-directing. But it's pretty much entirely Matt Stone and Trey Parker. And I guess they have a writing team, um, which at one point included Bill Hader. I'm not sure if he's there anymore. Mm. But that was only later in the show's run, not in the early days. But they come up broadly with jokes and plot and stuff. And then, yeah, Trey Parker does fucking <laughs> a lot of stuff. Like, it's really a great television auteur. Mm. It's bewildering, but like, it's also, it goes against the grain of how these shows are normally made. We normally have The Simpsons, I think The Simpsons now just accept spec scripts. So if you just write in a script for The Simpsons, they will fucking animate it. It seems like it. It seems like they're just... There's no, like, through line to The Simpsons. There's no logic. It's just whatever crap could we, like, get some headlines this week for. Because they're not going to be for the quality of the show. They have to be for something else. Sorry, complete aside here. Has has anyone here seen the episode of The Simpsons with Tony Blair in? Yes. Yeah. Yes, but I think I've blocked a lot of it out. It was, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. It's fucking having hypnosis to recover the memory of it. Like <laughs> it's fucking appalling, and it that was one of the big turning points for me with the Simpsons. Where it was like they was like you know someone who's actively at that time committing war crimes. <laughs> like, yeah, it's so cool. He's like James Bond. It's amazing. I love it. I find fucking it terrible. amazing with the Simpsons, their classic run. 
for about 10 years, probably a bit less. Mm -hmm. They had all these different showrunners. And then Al Jean has been in charge of it for the entire time that it's been shit. And has (laughs) has anyone just thought, "Hmm, maybe, like, I know he worked on it when it was good. But, like, has nobody thought maybe, like, Al Jean is a a weak link here in this operation? (laughs) (laughs) Like, 20 solid years of sucking ass. Way more time than the show was good. Maybe Switch it up i don't know maybe the simpsons doesn't need to be like an auteur show <laughs> even is, if it so is soliciting <laughs> scripts from like some dickhead on twitter after after this long though if the simpsons got really good again would anyone notice if a tree uh, fell, does it have simpsons enough goodwill left forest, for us to yeah. give it give it a chance <laughs> they'd probably lose more ratings from not having interminable shit guest celebrity <laughs> stars than, than i they tune in like to see more criminals do cameos <laughs> <laughs> yeah but it, it goes against the grain of how these shows are normally made and how american sitcoms are normally made with just like writers sealed in a room for a couple of days and then that produces the script we just have like one bloke doing it is absolutely bizarre but it does mean that you've got like we've talked about i'm trying not to shade over it because i don't want to be fucking callous and just laughing like a little goblin at all the racism and homophobia and stuff but he has got like certain sort of ticks that he returns to is like we're talking about like scatological humor lots of stuff to do with you know anal insertion broad ethnic stereotypes and stuff and it's like if you say it like that it sounds bad don't it but it's actually pretty funny like it's actually pretty good yeah, like, yeah um... you have to kind of take these on a case-by-case basis like some of them mm. are offensive and not making a good point and not funny some of them are <laughs> offensive but they're funny and they maybe have a point some of them have no point and are really offensive, but they're just really funny. <laughs> we're talk- it's a we're real talking- grab bag, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. But there was that run, when it, a couple of years where they had two disabled children on the show. They had- Jimmy yeah. and yeah. Timmy. And like, like, we were talking about that earlier, and you were like, oh, I thought that stuff was funny. And I was just like, that was like the grimmest period of fucking South Africa. I was just like, gritting my teeth through hearing the Timmy voice, like for the fucking 1800th time. <laughs> well, I-, I was specifically talking about the episode <laughs> Crazy Cripples where uh, Jimmy and Timmy (laughs) both join the Crips. (laughs) (laughs) Which is, I think, legitimately one of the funniest episodes they ever made. (laughs) We were saying that they they went out on the street and just corralled some black men who were just stood on the corner yeah. to the voices of the yeah i meant to get to this earlier when talking about the kind of like blackface black voice <laughs> issue i kind of assumed that because they're like yeah homie i just kind of assumed that it was just matt stone and trey parker doing all of these black guys or maybe <laughs> like they've got a black guy who just voices token who works with them and, and maybe he was doing some of them i don't know or all of them but no apparently <laughs> because they only had a few black people on the south park staff a Adrian Beard, Vernon Chapman, and Isaac Hayes, who provide the voices of Token Black, Towley, and Chef, respectively. <laughs> voiced by a proud POC. Like, that's one of the stupidest <laughs> fucking things I've ever heard. Uh, yeah, I, well, I wasn't aware of that. Anyway, so Trey Parker had to go out into the street and find three or four black men to record the voices <laughs> of the Bloods and Crips. When you so don't have enough man. black friends. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh, we've got tons of black friends. This should be no problem. Ten minutes later. 
Okay, I'm gonna go out onto the street. I'll see you guys in a minute. <laughs> well, like, I, love, I love South by so And again, I, I'm trying not to like shade into criticism here because I'm just talking about what I love it. But probably my favorite thing about South Park is the fact they've got two characters in Mr. Garrison and Cartman who are probably two of the most evil characters ever depicted in fiction. <laughs> <laughs> like no like no redeeming qualities just like pure libido and ego mm-hmm. only interested in getting what they want to get prepared to harm literally to the point of killing people <laughs> well <laughs> Mr. Garrison becomes Trump eventually doesn't he yeah, yeah. Does. I mean in fact Mr. Garrison is basically the show's primary point of LGBT plus representation <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's the thing is Cartman's got like more and more evil they've also made him more and more gay like as the series has gone on there's a long running thread I think it's around you know the Tweak and Craig episode anyone who hasn't watched a lot of South Park recently I apologise for like alienating you but going this deep into the lore but there's two characters Tweak and Craig and they got together as like a gay couple basically because the Asian girls in the school kept like shipping them and doing like anime drawings of them having sex and then they oh, became yeah. a couple because of the power of suggestion of that there's an episode where Cartman's lying on bed thinking about that he's been penetrated by like a version of Cupid who's in his own imagination uh, who is in the shape of Eric Cartman so he's making rough gay love to himself <laughs> it's, just, it's just like again it's like laying it out like that the level of sort of obscenity and depravity and obtuse sort of offensiveness for its own sake is a form of art in and of itself. It is an incredible achievement. It's an incredible achievement of artistic production. Because like they can do things every single series that still shock me, having watched all the other fucking series of Sepak. <laughs> it's ridiculous. I can't think of anyone who's working at that fucking level. I'm not sure what I think about the softening of Cartman. Because I feel like he's at his best when he kind of embodies all the evil in the world. Like um, He literally channeled Hitler. Well, exactly. Like, I was watching an episode last night where Butters' parents call Cartman's mum to ask if he can stay over, and his, Cartman's mum is like, oh, well, he's supposed to be grounded for trying to exterminate the Jews. <laughs> so I guess that came after that episode where Cartman gets radicalised by Passion of the Christ. <laughs> A really funny episode, actually. And yeah, yeah. he dresses up as Hitler and gets a big crowd of people marching in support of Mel Gibson. He teaches them to frog march <laughs> and see Kyle and stuff. It's fucking beautiful, man. That episode, what they do with Mel Gibson, where they just got his head crudely pasted onto a nude body. <laughs> he's, he's just like, tweaking like, his nipples. And yeah, stuff. Tw- tweaking his nipples and like torturing himself <laughs> and like daubing himself in wood. <laughs> like a sort of grotesque sex freak. It's fucking great, man. So, you boys have led me here to your secret base, huh? I guess now you're gonna start torturing me. Oh, my nipples are so tender. Don't squeeze them anymore. That's Mel Gibson. He's not quite as eloquent as I had pictured. I'll bet you want to torture me now, don't you? Dude, what's wrong with him? He's cuckoo, dude. He's absolutely out of his mind. You, you would all love to torture me, wouldn't you? Okay, fine. See what you can fit in there. I can take it. Dude, I've been freaked out this whole time because of that guy's movie? Well, this is a question for Yair. Is it okay to laugh at all the anti-Semitic stuff in the show because Matt Stone is Jewish? Uh, I'm going to go with yes. Sure. <laughs> nice, okay, we got the pass. <laughs> no, but, but, but yeah, I, I was saying about Cartman. They have kind of softened him in recent seasons. They did like a whole season where he's being really woke because he's trying to get with this girl. <laughs> and like... <laughs> 
I get that they're very slowly making the boys a bit older and they're kind of getting to that age now and I guess they do need some kind of character development but in terms of a fairly recent episode that's just great where Cartman embodies all evil like <laughs> Crack Baby Basketball Association for example <laughs> he's just fun. exploiting these little babies from crack addicted mothers and making <laughs> them like play each other play. in a, what seems quite violent game of basketball but he goes to the NBA who I guess there was a controversy because the NBA had like this scholarship thing through which yeah. they would extract unpaid labour from primarily young yes. black uh, men. The college yeah, system the NCAA, before the NBA, yeah. yeah, so, yeah. so Cartman goes <laughs> to the NBA headquarters dressed as an antebellum plantation owner. And it's like, well, howdy, sir. I'd say I ask you for some questions on her. How do you get away with uh, keeping all your slaves? <laughs> <laughs> fucking great man and, well, and, and in that case Cartman being they're not fucking subtle, are they? evil being a piece of <laughs> shit is far more satirically effective I think than trying to make mm. him like a more human character well like with um, yeah like... I love that episode honestly it's mm. great yeah, it's fucking great man Dean Howland a representative from another prestigious institution is here to see you a what send him in hello there the name is Eric P. Cartman. I'm a well-respected owner in the slave tree. In the what? My peaches, what a wonderful office you got yourself, y'all. Yeah? Certainly got yourself a lucrative business, don't you? Well, let me get right down to it then. Like yourself, I'm also in the slave trade. But at the moment, I find myself in a little quandary with legal issues. Was wondering if you could share some secrets. I have... No idea what you're talking about. You have some mighty strong-looking workers here, sir. I'd be willing to offer you $40 for two of the white ones and 50 for the blacks. Are you referring to our student athletes? Student athletes? Oh, that is brilliant, sir. Now, when we sell their likeness for video games, how do we get around paying for our slave uh, student athletes then? Look, there are good reasons why our student athletes cannot be paid, young man. I ain't arguing. If they got paid, then how'd we make all our money, right? We do not own slaves, and we have no desire to own slaves. But of course you own slaves because... Oh, right. <clears throat> of course you don't have desire to own slaves, son. Neither do I. And if there was any government agency listening in on this here conversation, they should know that we're not talking about slave ownership at all. All right, so now how do you get around not paying your slaves? Get out! This is a prestigious university, and I am not saying one more word to you! You think you can do whatever you want just because your corporation is a university? This country was founded on the ideas that one corporation couldn't hog all the slaves while the rest of us wallow in poverty! Screw you, sir. I'm going home. I like the Garrison Tram Bark. I love that, They're giving it, like, terms... That it really doesn't warrant it. But yeah, the garrison it becomes Trump thing was so fucking good. And they were the only media property that took the threat of Trump seriously at all. <laughs> like any sort of comedy thing. So they were just constantly referring to like the debates and stuff and just showing how poorly Hillary was fucking up. And they just literally have characters screaming at her like, anybody else, anybody else would be able to do this. <laughs> anybody else would be able to defeat them. Why can't you do it? We were talking about also there's an episode where Hillary Clinton gets 
a nuclear device inserted in her uterus. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a, a, a described as a snook up her sniz, uh, and it's planted there by Russian mercenaries on behalf of the British. And then at the end of the episode, after the South Park boys defeat her, the Queen shoots herself in the head. <laughs> <laughs> and that's uh, also a twenty-four parody episode with Cartman going around torturing this new Muslim family who've uh, moved to South Park injecting his farts uh, no no sorry he's not injecting his farts into them he's injecting himself with orange juice so his farts are smellier the apple juice or something. It's, re- it's a very gross sequence it's just so fucking it's so daft like it's so it is an incredibly joyful thing to watch but it is like i keep saying in the south park's favorite film like it's pathetic as that is but like it is it's so fucking good but like i haven't kept up with any of the other like, i've watched like an embarrassing amount of animated sitcoms in my lifetime and like I think South Park's the only one that I've kept up with all these years because it's the only apart from the King of the Hill was really really good but with King of the Hill it never got properly distributed in the UK and I didn't want to fucking pay for it or pirate it it's of such ridiculously high quality and because he's gone to like a smaller network you find yourself talking about this type of thing to somebody who hasn't watched the last fucking 20 series mm. or whatever South Park. <laughs> like I keep saying, anybody who's listened to this without a knowledge of South Park law would just be like, oh, you know, he's clearly, like, cracking up. Like, he's talking about people <laughs> fucking injecting themselves. <laughs> injecting themselves with apple juice. The old man is fucking... dying. This cannot possibly yeah, the old be true. Man's <laughs> <laughs> the, um, the fucking new Hillary Clinton, but like it's just a point. It's so fucking stupid. You but reminded like, me with the Hillary Trump their depiction of that race. <laughs> they call back to an earlier episode by describing it as a contest between a giant douche and a turd sandwich. And uh, mm. in the original Giant Douche v. Turd Sandwich episode, it's basically their episode about how it's okay not to vote, not to support any side. And it's stupid how <laughs> people are socially ostracized for not picking a side in an election between a giant douche and a turd sandwich. And in that episode, they have, I reckon it probably is just Trey Parker doing the voice, but they have a parody of P. Diddy's vote or die campaign, where Diddy and his henchmen are literally just going around threatening to kill people if they don't vote. And it's like, then they have this hip hop track that's like, vote or die, motherfucker, motherfucker, vote or die. Get out and vote or I'm going to stick a knife in your eye. And then again, I saw this at the age where I remember all of it. Puff Daddy? Your friend Kyle told me you don't understand the importance of voting. I... Apparently you haven't heard of my vote or die campaign. Vote or die? What the hell does that even mean? What do you think it means, bitch? Vote or die, motherfucker, motherfucker, vote or die. Rock the vote or else I'm gonna stick a knife through your eye. Democracy is founded on one simple rule. Get out there and vote or I will motherfucking kill you. Yeah, I like it when you vote, bitch. bitch. Shake them titties when you vote, bitch. bitch. I slam my jimmy through your mouth roof. mouth roof. Now get your big ass in the polling booth. I said vote, bitch, or I fucking kill you. Vote or die, motherfucker, motherfucker, vote or die. You can't run from a 38, go ahead and try. Let your opinion be heard, you gotta make a choice. Cause after I slit your throat, you won't have a fucking voice. Vote or die. Vote or die. 
okay. It's like <laughs> democracy is founded on one simple rule. Get out and vote or I'll fucking kill you. <laughs> <laughs> I'll fucking go back. I genuinely think we're not going to get too grandiose about it. It's depressing when you watch you guys media. We've also been talking, obviously everybody's been doing the fucking Seinfeld rewatch and stuff and there's yeah. no seems to occur about. But it's like Larry David, who's a profoundly cynical comedian and he has that sort of fuck everyone vibe or, you know, uh, the world is like a fallen thing and it's corrupt. And he's a big money democratic donor. So it's like a, almost every other sort of media property or in particular sort of comedy property is heavily skewed towards mm. sort of liberal left thing. And then them being third party, even though they were incredibly stupid and they fucking supported the libertarian party, <laughs> it did give them a tiny bit more fucking perspective or a more interesting perspective than most people who produce this type of stuff. Yeah. Like, like they were able to be like anti-war yeah. in a way that very other people, like fucking am I, like Family Guy, which obviously I'm not going to pretend that I haven't watched, probably cumulatively like 50 to 100 hours of Family Guy in my life. <laughs> <laughs> that is the smuggest fucking Democrat thing. And they've just got like an author insert character in the talking dog. And just be talking about, you know, oh, how like George Bush yeah. is running up the deficit and shit. <laughs> it's just like, it's okay. I don't fucking hear that. Like, I just want to watch the talking dog. Like, shut up. I wouldn't necessarily actually say South Park's got much better for having better politics. <laughs> I think the midpoint for me is when they had politics, but they weren't necessarily that good. Um, <laughs> in the, the early episodes aren't very political at all they're like Cartman getting an anal probe or big gay owls big gay boat ride or whatever yeah. but um <laughs> but then you move on a bit and I think the show was at its funniest kind of around that period but I think they have done some really good episodes in recent years with agreeable politics there was the one parodying the way that ICE was run especially under Donald oh, Trump fuck. the US immigration yeah, services one, where Cartman calls ICE on Kyle and gets him deported <laughs> <laughs> which again that's like the stuff i want from cartman another one was their world war zimmerman episode which was simultaneously a parody of the crappy brad pitt zombie blockbuster world war z yes. and an absolutely searing episode about how black lives are treated differently to white lives <laughs> in the american judicial system really good i remember just laughing so hard at that episode and it's something when you don't have that thing of oh it wasn't funny but i agreed for shit out of it you know <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, it's literally yeah. like well i actually i thought it was making a good point and fucking hell i haven't laughed in so long so occasionally <laughs> they get that balance really right but some of the recent seasons i haven't been so with the serialized format can sometimes lose me for example they'll introduce a joke and I won't find it very funny, and then I'll realise, <laughs> oh my god, this is going to be the entire season. So it, it was that. It was that way when they introduced PC Principal. Yeah, um, yeah, I was yeah. like, okay, this is not just this episode. Because in the past, <laughs> sometimes you even wanted something from one episode to stay around longer, but you never got too familiar with a lot of jokes. And then, especially, it was the member berries thing. When they I thought that was good too. Really, I, 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 yeah. I found it kind of annoying, and it, it's just—I guess it's just. Do you know what I mean? Like, there's a certain tweeness that has kind of crept <laughs> into recent seasons. I felt like this with member berries integrity weed, and it—it's kind of like they just get like this quirky little concept that is kind of 
amusing but not funny yeah, not, like laugh not every yeah. show needs lots of continuity really and then they ran South Park was what it was and then sorry the thing, I, like, I like struggled to follow plots anyway so like I found this was like the most recent series of Curb where it was like I really enjoyed the first few episodes and then towards the end it was like oh there's literally too much plot going on now. <laughs> yeah yeah like, trying, to get, trying to tie together all these plots and it did resolve beautifully but it was also just like stop making me remember things man well that's <laughs> a good example actually of Curb because when Tracy Ullman showed up for an episode in that, I was like, okay, cool. Like, I can get with Tracy Ullman making a cameo in this. She's a respected comic performer. Then, as it dawned on me that she'd be in the entire rest of the season, I was just like, <laughs> I really fucking hate you for that impression of Corbin you did. <laughs> and it just became inescapable for me. I oh, could have vibed with an episode or even two. Even two. <laughs> What's that? Is that Tracy Ann Oldman? Is it? I can't remember the name exactly. She's a different but, fucking idiot. Yeah, but she was in Toast to London. Oh, yeah. I, was like, I yeah. really like Toast to London. It's incredibly stupid. I normally laugh a lot of it. And now, like, she spent the last five years like furiously anti-Corbyn tweeting. <laughs> so I can't enjoy watching her like get you know taken from behind by Toast of London <laughs> and pulling like ridiculous facial expressions. I can't enjoy that as much because I'm just thinking about all the times you've argued with people on Twitter. Oh, fuck all. It's <laughs> But, like, with the sort of long running plots that they have, you are right, the premise is quite thin, and then they just extend them enormously. You know, like, we're talking about sort of ethnic quiddity or the sort of deliberate sort of ethnic offensiveness of South Park. You know, the episode about Native American casinos. Oh, yeah, I remember not yeah. liking that one very much. Yeah, I thought, not... it was, I thought it was really good. But, like, they've got like, various things. Of, they send Stan to have, like, a spirit request, and he just goes to like, <laughs> yeah. someone's house and has a bag of paint in there. <laughs> and then there's a bit where they're singing this war cry, this sort of battle song, and it's Love is a Battlefield by Pat Benatar, which is pretty fucking good. But, like, in that, there's a thing where the Indian chief's son's called Chief Runs with Premise, and the sun's called something like premise running thin. <laughs> so, like, there's a lot of premise running thin now in the more recent episodes of South Park, man. Because it is just like, yeah, you get this really thin, vaguely satirical, private eye level concept. And then they just fucking run this into the ground. Yeah. It's rough fun. You so you've seen the pandemic specials, haven't you? But I think you turned them off because you were just like, this is not funny enough. I watched all of them, but yeah, I didn't find it funny. I felt like <laughs> it, it, it could have been made by I, I for a start, like I didn't agree with that nonsense about how it's good to get a vaccine. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but but I, I I just I found I mean, to be honest, the stuff in it about how it's good to get vaccines, I did think you could have got that particular approach to the subject from a lot of liberal television comedy writers. I didn't think there was much in the approach to those episodes that I thought was particularly funny. And it wasn't actually that I disagreed with how it handled the pandemic, but I didn't think that they found a unique approach to covering it. You know, like we were talking about, I was like fucking, like everyone in it was self-isolating over Christmas. And I tried to watch that Don't Look Now film. Oh, fuck. Or Don't Look Up film. Yeah, and like I, that yeah. was the same. Don't Look Now a... is a great film by Nicholas Rogue from the 1970s. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I got confused. But like with that, I was just like, started watching it. I was like, oh, I can see what they're doing here. And then it started buffering. And I was like, 
I do not have time in my life for this buffering. <laughs> I don't need to watch this fucking film. But you said that was like a similar effect with the South Park thing, or it's it like too directly satirical or something which is like actively ongoing now. Yeah. You've got no interest in watching it. I'm actually going through our conversation, our DMs on Twitter to try and find this because I remember saying to you, yeah, there was something about a bunch of satires I'd viewed in quick succession kind of came to a head for me made me think i'm not enjoying political satire at the moment like something about the stuff that's being made right now is not doing it for me in the way that satire in the past had been made and yeah it was a combination of don't look up which I found, in the words of my friend Emmett, to be Le Cinema de FBPE. It's like really smug and grating. <laughs> Even though I like right. the two people, Adam McKay, who wrote and directed it, and David Sirota, who co-wrote the story with him. I know those guys are democratic socialists, but uh, I didn't think it was a good film. And whilst, again, I didn't think its politics were, like, wrong... I just, it, you know, what's that quote from the Big Lebowski? You're not wrong, Walter. You're just an asshole. <laughs> Classic, yeah. And um, I watched about five minutes of Charlie Brooker's Death to 2021 thing. And again, I was kind of like, yeah, I mean, I kind of get what you're saying, but also I, I, I don't give a fuck about, like, the Capitol riots or whatever. I'm going to switch this off right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, like, I did the same thing. I watched that whole fucking Death of 2021 thing. It is embarrassing. But it was particularly fucking chronic since Brexit, basically. The last thing I saw before the pandemic hit properly was I saw Stuart Lee's new show. Yeah. But before that, I think three or four months before that, I'd seen James Acaster's new show. And, like, Stuart Lee's entire first half was some sort of elaborate Brexit thing. And then James A. Caster came out and literally did the Brexit fucking restaurant analogy thing. <laughs> you know, like, oh, they give you a menu and it's, it's, it's just, you know, the options are between, like, human shit and a nice salad or whatever. I was like, oh, shut the fuck up. But it was just, like, there's an enormous smugness has crept in. Because with satirists now, they're risking nothing by saying this. Particularly in the UK, the political juncture is such that none of these people are ever going to be threatened by an even slightly higher marginal tax rate. They are literally, they can say and do whatever the fuck they want for the next 5, 10, 15, 20, 25 fucking years and nothing is going to change politically that will affect them poorly. And anything. So you get people like grandstanding about how disastrous Brexit was going to be and stuff like that. But it was literally the least funny shit that I've ever seen in my life. Like, yeah, it was man. like an entire like, 5, 10 years of political comedy you could just write off in its entirety. It was incredible. <laughs> and we were talking about Curb. I love Curb. I rewatched all of it recently, and it's one of my mm. favourite shows of all time. I'm about halfway through doing that at present as well, having it's just great, also isn't it? binged the fuck out of Seinfeld. No, it's, but yeah, yeah. but yeah. right yeah. now, in a way that isn't true of the show in the past, I wish that they would kind of swerve politics for the most part. And maybe it is just an accurate reflection of the liberal circles in which Larry David operates. As I've never seen Curb as a particularly politically radical show, and almost its strength comes from its depiction of the banality of the lives of the super-rich. But parts of it recently have felt a little bit out of touch, and not out of touch in the way that we all love 
Larry for yeah. being like we know <laughs> that he's one of the richest people like ever because of Seinfeld syndication I've always been able to vibe with the fact that he seems like such a don't give a fuck guy but he likes really snobby kind of food or he seems <laughs> he seems like he doesn't give a fuck about anything but he's always into the faddy new classical violinist who the rich are having playing in their <laughs> houses you kind of go along with this stuff but I got kind of annoyed by the thing about that great whistleblower in the last episode of the latest season I was like, oh, whistleblower. Who have you got? Uh, Jeff and Susie got Julian Assange somehow <laughs> released from prison <laughs> to, to perform at their house. And this quote-unquote whistleblower, weirdly, he's able to do all these uh, events with the super rich and stuff, and he's not in prison, or he hasn't had his citizenship stripped off him and had to move to Russia like Snowden. And he's just like some military guy who said Trump was bad when he was in, during one of the failed impeachment procedures. It's like, fuck Ooh. off, really? I don't even know. I hadn't even heard of that guy. <laughs> so I'm just right. like... I'm just thinking of it like a naval whistleblower, because that's what I think happened. It was like a sort of ship's commander or something like anti-Trump I'm just remembering the, the brass I sketch about the gay boat which is one of the sketches all the time uh, but yeah. Like, yeah it is odd seeing people trying to address this stuff but I don't know if it's just that I'm allergic to other people's political opinions mm. and I have to try and discount that whether it's just that I don't want to fucking hear what James A. Castor or Charlie Brooker has to say about this particular moment in politics I just want them to you know make me laugh through another means I don't fucking know mm. which means I was just like completely allergic to that don't look up thing and I was watching that Charlie Brooker thing and like maybe smiled once yeah i I think like a lot of this modern satire it feels to me like as much of a reflection of the culture that it's trying to satirize as a comment on it something like don't look up for example contained a lot of the trappings of the bad popular culture churned out by the same system that perpetuates the problems that the film was ostensibly critiquing. (laughs) We've talked about films on the show from the 1990s, like a Costa Gavras kind of sellout film when he was briefly making movies in America about how, oh, the media's crazy and everyone's preoccupied with celebrity culture and stuff. Like, the Ariana Grande stuff in that movie, like her and Kid Cudi, wasn't it? That felt so completely redundant just saying, oh, everyone's distracted by celebrity culture. Culture. And it really just felt like they'd put that in in order to reflect that celebrity culture and give their film a bit more star power. <laughs> like, I think the big problem that I've got with this type of thing is that as a socialist, I believe that the problem in society is that ordinary people have too little control over their lives. Yeah, mm. then there's this broader sort of swathe of liberal opinion who's the cleavage of. Sorry, I keep Shouldn't have fucking said cleavage, though. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. The the big divide in society that they see, the heaving divide in society that they see, is between people who are smart and know all the facts and then people who are fucking idiots. Yeah. And that's not the divide in society. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Not, and their idea the of someone who's smart is like someone who's seen the latest Lin-Manuel Miranda project. <laughs> yeah. Who, by the it's way, was horrible. a guest star in a whole season of Curb. And you know what? He was actually pretty good in that, I've got to be honest. He, yeah, he, that was good. Yeah, he played himself as a right fucking prick, so as not a fan <laughs> of his work. Yeah, I guess I am but a like fan with... of his comic acting then, if I, I thought he was good. With South Park, what South Park stands is at its best, 
is that they are also just fucking cretins playing in the mud yeah. like the rest of us. That's appealing to me when they do that. And basically, a lot of the jokes they make on the show leave you in no doubt that they are just as cretinous as you. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, they're, they're down with the rest of us, like they're down in the mire. And like that's always what I preferred for them as opposed to more self-conscious or more sort of self-regarding forms of satire where you're trying to position yourself as one of the savvy ones mm. whilst satirising all the fucking idiots in power or whatever. And it's like South Park's like, no, I am also a clown. I'm an enormous clown <laughs> with like a big honking red nose. <laughs> like, that's their vibe. And that's why I love them. I'm trying to think, what are some other episodes that you guys really like? Because I can think of a couple offhand that I, I want to discuss briefly. In terms of their incredibly broad satire and making the best possible use of Eric Cartman as their greatest villain, an episode that sticks out to me is Somalian Pirates. Oh, yeah. I can't remember yeah, this. Yeah, yeah where <laughs> Cartman absconds with a gang of other children, <laughs> including Kyle's little brother Ike, to um, go to Somalia and become pirates. And they, obviously, they don't understand the language the Somalians are speaking, so they don't realise that they're being held hostage. They end up stealing a boat from a bunch of French sailors. Again, racial stereotype, the French surrender instantly. Yep, yep. <laughs> well, that's actually they have Interpol or whatever having a discussion about this hijacking and they're like were there any casualties? No thank god they were French so they surrendered instantly (laughs) (laughs) Man I can't remember that one Cartman's like pure evil there's a couple of ones I think you mentioned earlier on the death of Eric Cartman But everyone just decides to ignore him and he thinks he's dead Yeah he believes he's dead yeah but that's a really good ghost story but also it's got the thing with butters and butters is the only person who's decided not to ignore Eric. So then they think that he's experiencing psychosis and then they violently aimly probe him over the course of several, <laughs> several days. We're talking about, just to go back to the old but as well, but there's very special Oh my god, that is one of the best Yeah, that's the, one, that's the one I was going to say. The ending of that episode, or the, the sort of climactic sequence of it, I was sat there watching it fucking years and years ago now, thinking, how the fuck have they got this on TV? <laughs> just to recap for listeners, in Butter's very own episode his dad's like to his mum oh i'm just popping out to get you your anniversary present and she sends butters out to follow him so she can see what he's getting her and he in fact goes to see the film fisting firemen nine at the cd downtown (laughs) pornographic theater and then proceeds to go to the white swallow men's bathhouse (laughs) to have aggressive gay sex with a series of men butters says one black guy had him pinned down for 15 minutes when he tells his mum about how his dad has gone wrestling So Butters' mum goes mad and tries to kill Butters by drowning him in her car, (laughs) but the car just hilariously floats downstream. For ages, just for ages, Butters just bumping along. <laughs> a very funny episode. And then, yeah, at the end, Geraint, were you thinking of the scene well, like, yeah, they like confess they, they, in front of everyone? Yeah. Well, they blamed the whole thing on some Puerto Rican guy. And <laughs> it, it, it just, it, they then immediately get embraced by other celebrities who have seen to Fallen the with the same Puerto Rican guy, like they fallen yeah. with the same the support yeah. group. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The end of it is just Stan Cartman and that talking 
to these characters about <laughs> how, how they're wrong, but basically they're facing directly to the camera. And like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, they're just like, just you liar, to, you piece Absolutely of... going yeah. off on, like... He's like, I know... Yeah. Like, Butters' dad is like, I know you all said you supported me, but you were looking at me and you were really thinking, cuts to OJ Simpson. You liar, you piece of shit. <laughs> I know what you did. <laughs> <laughs> And just, yeah, um, just the shots that it cuts to OJ Simpson and the other characters in it, just showing them sort of fixed grin, looking awkward as fuck, gritted teeth. Like. <laughs> it's amazing, man. So you see, there was no some Puerto Rican guy. He doesn't exist. And so the people we owe the biggest apology to are the Ramses, Congressman Condon, and OJ. We gave you false hope for finding the person who hurt those close to you, and we're sorry. Now we're just happy we won't have to live a life of secrets. For I knew that even though some of you supported us, some others were looking at me and thinking, You're a liar! You're a liar! You know something that you're not telling us, you slimy scumbag liar! You know, that's what people would say to me. And then people would see my wife in the supermarket and they would say hello, but they'd be thinking, Ah, there goes that MURDERER! You got away with murder, you murdering lying waste of life! And to me, people might say things like, LIAR! Tell us what you know, you goddamn liar! And so to both of us, people all over town would be saying things like, You know goddamn well what happened to your kid, so stop acting like victims and confess, you murdering murderers! Confess, liar! Confess! You know, and that's what people would be saying to us, and so we just had to come forward and tell the truth. We're sorry we lied to you all. It won't happen again. And now if you'll excuse us, this family has to get to Bennigan's. All right! I love it with butters. Like, with the, it, like, genuinely, I started, like, it's been a long fucking week, and, like, I started thinking about it, and I started getting emotional. So I had to, like, talk myself down for it. But, like, when he's talking about how he's going to go to his parents' anniversary dinner in what I presume is the fast casual dining chain, Bennigan's. Yeah. And he's, and he's talking about it, and he sings a special Bennigan song and stuff. And it's, like, genuinely one of the most sort of heart wrenchingly beautiful, yeah. <laughs> like, innocent things. <laughs> in my life, fucking love him, man. But as is magnificent, like he's obviously he's like the sort of avatar of pure good in the series. Like all the other yeah. boys are like much better than Cartman <laughs> in that they aren't, yeah. you know, embodying Hitler <laughs> and, <all the> <laughs> and stuff. But all the other boys, like little kids, are like kind of sweet, but also they kind of self interested or a bit they do selfish things. Yeah, exactly. But like but yeah. Yeah. Basically, like the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, or Jesus Christ, or something. You know, he's just a fucking good egg, like all right. <laughs> great. Love him, man. He's just based off like a member of the production team, was just a really nice man. So he's just got like, his name. And <laughs> <laughs> they just like torture him, you know, give him anal pops. Yeah. Make his parents have aggressive gay sex. <laughs> At the end, they go up to Butters. Stan, Kyle, and Cartman, because Kenny is temporarily dead for about... He's legit dead for a couple of seasons there early on. So Stan, Kyle, and Cartman go up to Butters, and they're just like, wow, dude, that's fucked up. Like, I think Cartman calls his dad a perv, and they're like, your mum tried to kill you. And Butters is like, 
oh well i guess i'll just that sounds more like towley actually but it's like or the mickey mouse oh, mickey oh yeah or oh, then mickey mouse <laughs> so i love that i love their portrayal of mickey mouse as protecting his yeah. strong business links in china <laughs> but butters is like oh well my nice meal at bennegan's will put all this trouble to rest and they're like really he's like no no i'm dead inside Listen, <laughs> <laughs> like, probably my favourite relatively higher concept episode is Free Will's Yak, I think it is, the one with the talking whale. And it's fucking magnificent. I'm not going to recount the plot of Free Will's Yak, but one joke on that is that SeaWorld attendants, whatever, are doing the voice of a whale and confusing small children with it. So they tell Craig that his dad's going to come into his room naked when he's sleeping and punch him. <laughs> one of my favourite jokes in all the <laughs> To tell a child that your dad's going to punch you in like so One episode I've always enjoyed is Scott Tennerman Must Die. Oh, that's a classic. Yeah, yep. where Carmen yeah. feeds his parents to him in Chile. Yeah. You, you saying about you like the episodes where Cartman is just evil? Yeah, like, that's one <laughs> that of those was the peak classics. for a long time. Yeah. For that, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that episode features Radiohead as well. <laughs> he, he times it so that Radiohead, Scott Tenerman's favorite band, come along uh, to the chili eating ceremony at the exact moment that Scott Tenerman has just found out that his parents are dead and he's eating them. <laughs> and Radiohead are like, "Wow, what a little wuss." A cool kid wouldn't be crying right now. <laughs> what a pussy. So fucking good, man. Uh, Come on, Tom, let's go home to England. <laughs> it's, it's great. Yeah, that was when the show was really Epic. coming into its stride, yeah. I yeah. think. I'm sure like it'll carry on and it will eventually... I was about to say fade into irrelevance, but it's kind of done that already. <laughs> just talking about nobody ever mentions it. People are just <laughs> watching like, it in secret. Trey like. Parker is retiring. Al Jean is becoming becoming the new showrunner. <laughs> <laughs> He's got a contract for the next 20 years, so <laughs> there's lots of good South Park to come. Well, they have actually, they recently negotiated a huge contract with Paramount or whatever the fucking corporate parent company yeah. is. CVS Viacom, some shit like that. I... Something like that, yeah. <laughs> They made a massive deal. Anyway, they are so rich now. <laughs> if they were rich before, <laughs> they're in the Larry David percent now, I think. They're probably richer than Larry David, I don't know. No, no. You don't think? Nobody's rich. He's very He's very rich. He sent yeah. several hundred million dollars and it was Larry David. He's like halfway to being a billionaire. But then his wife left him for even richer men. Which you got in my ears. Like his wife would just be like, oh, it's, uh, you know, Cheryl David's been uh, seen on so and so's yacht like every other week. <laughs> you fucking admire it. That is the thing about wealth. Once you get past a couple million, it's all just so theoretical and abstract it's all the same fucking number to most people exactly that's the thing isn't it? it's like it's like yeah exactly isn't it? it's like larry david could take like a hundred million two hundred million three hundred million haircut and like he'd still have enough money to like <laughs> be making his tv show but like how we got his coffee served slightly too cold <laughs> I, I, i'm gonna say that guy <laughs> should, should avoid getting haircuts i'm just gonna i'm just gonna say like, there's not much that he can cut there i love larry david and his bald jokes He's the definition of a proud, bald man these days, but there's that yeah. famous speech when he won the Emmy for Seinfeld, and he was like, this is all very well, but I'm still bald. <laughs> so fucking good. This is um, all very well and good, but I'm still bald. <laughs> <laughs>
A South Park episode that I made a note of is the one where Cartman goes in for a routine medical procedure and then he wakes up and they're like, I'm sorry, I'm so sorry, Mr. Cartman. There's been a terrible mistake and it turns out that they've given him AIDS. (laughs) Oh, yeah, yeah. And Cartman then injects Kyle with AIDS because Kyle keeps laughing at him (laughs) (laughs) because no one wants to give him sympathy because he's such a dick. And so he gets so pissed off that he gives Kyle AIDS. And then I think, don't they... they they go and find Magic Johnson, who's discovered yeah, yes. that the cure for AIDS is having loads and loads of money. <laughs> and, and he literally sleeps on a bed of money, and that's how how his AIDS has been kept under control. So in it's the end, so he like grim, takes pity on Kyle and Cartman, so he gives them enough money to have injected into their systems <laughs> to cure them of AIDS. Fucking incredible! It's one of the things we don't mean actually. Serious satirical point behind it, but they go to Africa and they're just like, Oh, great news, everyone. The cure for ages, money. (laughs) (laughs) That's the same episode as well where Trey Parker does his Jimmy Buffett impression uh, because, like, Cartman's mum puts on a benefit for him. Anyway, there's a benefit put on for Cartman and he thinks that Elton John's gonna be the headliner, but actually, they can only get Jimmy Buffett. So, Jimmy Buffett (laughs) is playing a selection of songs, including. AIDS Burger in Paradise <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and Cure Burger in Paradise AIDS Burger in Paradise AIDS Burger and it ain't nice Nobody likes Jimmy Buffett except for frat boys and alcoholic chicks from the South Little boy in South Park Dine of AIDS in the cold dark how he got AIDS, I haven't a clue. Wasting away again because of AIDS and stuff. How are we all feeling tonight? Fuck you, Jimmy Buffett! You fucking suck! Oh, poopsikins, be nice. Fuck you, Mom, I have fucking AIDS! Shit, man. Is that the same Fair episode is. with Jared and his AIDS? No, that's a different one. It's Jared's got AIDS is the title of that one. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking straight down the line. It's very funny they did that joke about him having AIDS and then he turned out to be a prodigious paedophile. <laughs> <laughs> someone who very much got well up. Yeah, but the whole thing is that he's got people who are supporting him in his weight loss, but he keeps referring to them as AIDS with an E. It's such and a stupid like, joke. Like, that's oh, the kind yeah, of thing oh, I can imagine like I was with like member berries. If I didn't find <laughs> that joke funny when they first did it that episode would be so grating because they just run that joke into the ground they do like yeah, every yeah. possible variation of that one stupid <laughs> joke that is a good it episode wasn't like a as well series long, yeah man it's pretty much all good to talk about um, except for the one episode you like about the, about the, about the crippled gang that, that really is a fantastic it. episode that's it's really really funny i remember finding it really weird when i first watched it because Christopher Reeve is a supporting character and they take the piss out of stem cell research in this episode (laughs) and apparently Matt Stone and Trey Parker had the idea to do a Christopher Reeve parody the previous season but they held it off for a long time we were like you know what maybe that's not cool the two decided to do the parody because they were having trouble coming up with an idea for an episode and Reeve happened to be on Larry King live that night after seeing the interview the two thought to themselves you know what Fuck him. He really is taking up this cause of everyone needs to help me out. 
um, it's so fucking weird, man. Because like stem cells wasn't an issue in the UK at all because we haven't got like an anti-abortion movement yeah. really in the UK. It was just like oh, the stem cells is fine, you can use them. And it was obviously like a culture war issue that they were like, yeah, if anything, you know, wanting to use stem cells is barbarous or whatever in that episode. They portray <laughs> it as Christopher Reeve just snapping these fetuses open and drinking the insides. <laughs> <laughs> and then he gets superhuman strength by the end of it because he's drunk so many fetuses but, but like basically Jimmy and Timmy are so pissed off mainly Jimmy Timmy just kind of goes along with him they're so pissed off at Christopher Reeve because they're like well, we were crippled from birth. This guy came into it's it late, late like in it. the game, and now he's trying to uncripple himself. So they're very unhappy about this. And everyone who they raise this objection to, every non-disabled person in the episode is just like, I'm staying out of this one. <laughs> <laughs> and so Jimmy and Timmy go and find the Denver, Colorado branch of the Crips. And then they join them. They're like, can we become part of your gang? And they're like, were you guys crippled from birth? And they're like, yeah, the only real Crip was born a Crip. And so they're like, oh, yeah, but we were crippled from birth. So that's great. And then anyway, they, they, <laughs> they get told that they can join the gang as long as they pop some punk ass bloods and so the boys try and work out what this means hey timmy did you notice that all the crippled people in that club are negroes Stop it! that's an amazing coincidence i mean there's not one crippled colored person in south park hey you kids well, hello, officers. What the hell do you think you're doing? We're going to pop some punk ass for blood. Dumbass! Look, Timmy, there's a convenience store. That must be what the fellas meant by pop some punk ass blood. They want us to get them some soda pop and treats. Ah, oh, Dumbass! Let's buy them ginger ale and marshmallows. Then they'll let us in the club for sure. Oh, shit! Sunday driver. Yo, yo, listen up, y'all. Let me tell you about my little G's roller and four legs here. They just smoked 13 bloods in one night. One night? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. one night. That ain't never been done before. And they got us marshmallows and ginger ale. Uh -huh. yeah, that's right. So does that mean we can join the club? You're not just in. You're the baddest mofo crips in town. C-pop, turn up the beat so we can celebrate our new G's five-point style. All right. They may assume that they'll just buy some lemonade and, <laughs> and sweets. So they go along to the gas station and somehow inadvertently cause a massive pileup that kills like 13 bloods. <laughs> like this truck smashes into a building. So the Crips welcome Jimmy and Timmy into the gang because they murdered these 13 bloods. <laughs> and also they did bring them marshmallows and ginger ale. So they're very happy. And then Jimmy and Timmy do a kind of mediation thing where they lock all the bloods and all the crypts together in a gym building or something that rent it for the night <laughs> and they literally have a thing which is just like binds 
come on, man, thing. They, they say that, <laughs> and the Crips and Bloods are all about to shoot each other. And then they're just like, hey, come on, man. <laughs> and then they all put down their weapons and just start hanging out and having fun. And they all pick up instruments and do this song like, having friends is fun. It's good to <laughs> hang out with your buddies. <laughs> I really like Jimmy as a character. I find Timmy more annoying. But like Jimmy's got that fucking brilliant thing. I think he's got a stand there. But he's also wants to be a stand-up comedian. Yeah. So like when he stands, yeah. he goes into sort of stand-up comedian crowd work. He just goes, "What a what a great audience!" And stuff like that. It's fucking hilarious to me. That is. But like they really fucking. I cannot. You know, you're talking about like writing a premise to the to the nth degree. Yeah. And there was a couple of series where they were just like, right, we've got two characters with disabilities. Let's have some fun with this. Like the other, like the one where Cartman falls in love with Ben Affleck. Or he tricks Ben Affleck into believing he's Jennifer Lawrence. Oh, yeah! <laughs> Where he, like, paints a face on yeah. his hand and does a really yeah. bad Mexican accent. <laughs> yeah. Spectacular, yeah. That's fucking incredible. One of, like, simultaneously, like, low comedy, but it's done in such an incredibly daft way that it transcends its incredibly stupid premise into something approaching art. <laughs> it's just so fucking stupid. The idea that he would have this hand crudely drawn on his face and then everyone in the universe of the show believes 100% that that is Jennifer Lopez, <laughs> even when Jennifer Lopez is in the fucking room with him. <laughs> just like, just like, <laughs> this, ha- this fucking stick figure, like, all this, you know... This fucking mouth and eyes drawn on hand is Jennifer Lopez. A funny episode in a very lowbrow way that I watched last night is Chim Pokemon. I haven't seen this one in a few years, but it's yeah, yeah. It, it's basically where all the kids get into Pokemon. Well, or to Chim Pokemon. It's one of the episodes where they <laughs> kind of make fun of like the latest fad sweeping the youth. And it turns out that this Japanese franchise is actually a brainwashing program by the Japanese. Japanese to get the kids to take up arms against America and they have a bit where the Japanese are like defeat the evil capitalistic Americans it's like wait do Matt and Trey think that Japan's a communist country <laughs> like in an episode literally about Japan taking part in a globalized economy exporting consumer goods to Americans <laughs> but you get the sense that that is more a sense of incuriosity than a kind of point that they're trying to make I think they yeah. generally have anti-American characters blast the west as capitalistic be it the Russian mercenaries in the episode where there's a snook in Hillary Clinton's sniz or indeed the terrorists who kill Santa in yeah, one of their Christmas yeah. episodes. <laughs> it's fucking beautiful. It is having your cake and eating it, that stuff, isn't it? Because they are aware that as Americans, they don't necessarily have to know about the outside world as much as, say, somebody who lives in like continental Europe has to know about their neighbours or whatever. They're just having the cake and eating it. Like with the sort of stereotypical Arabic speech and stuff in Team America, <laughs> it's like we are conscious that we know nothing about this, so we're going to put the least effort into doing this <laughs> to show you that we're not getting above our station, we're not pretending to understand the dynamics of radicalisation in Afghanistan's refugee camps or whatever. <laughs> it's just like, oh, one day the infidels came to my village and they killed my goat. <laughs> That's all that day. I put a jihad on you. Just being like deliberately 
completely ignorant of all this stuff. <laughs> Incredible. They do have some episodes that I think are, to this day just very funny. Christian Rock Hard is a great one where Cartman and Token and Butters oh, for the Christian dude. Rock Band. <laughs> Token instantly knows how to play bass because he's black. <laughs> Uh, and then <laughs> and then Cartman rewrites all these already famous songs about being in romantic love with somebody to just loving Jesus and the people at the Christian record label are like it seems that you don't just love Jesus a young man but that you are in love with Jesus <laughs> and Cartman's just like What's the difference? Are you guys saying that you don't love our Lord and Savior? <laughs> it's a very, very funny episode. Guys, we here at Faith Records were very moved by your performance at Christ Fest. You're one of the most talented Christian rock bands we've ever heard. Thank you so much. Christ has really blessed us with talent. <laughs> yeah. We just had one question, though. We were looking over some of your lyrics. Uh, I want to walk hand in hand with Jesus on a private beach for two. I want him to nibble on my ear and say I'm here for you. It, it seems you really love Christ. Yes, we sure do. No, but it, it appears you are actually in love with Christ. Well, what are you saying? That, that you don't really love Christ? Well, of, of course I do. I mean, I just... Well, what's the difference? You love Christ, you're in love with Christ? I mean, what the heck is this? And that's the same one where Kyle's band, who are called, like, Smop or like Floop or something. What are they called? Mop, I think. Mop, is it? But they basically go on strike when they learn about illegal downloading. <laughs> or no, they illegally download some songs to like get inspiration for their band and immediately like a SWAT team like storm in through their window and arrest them. <laughs> and they show them like, this is Lars Ulrich's son. He thought that he was going to get his own private island this year. But instead... <laughs> He's going to have to settle for the slightly smaller island next door because of illegal downloading. <laughs> <laughs> and then, yeah, they, oh, they end up going on a strike with, like, Metallica and stuff. What's that, like, the songs off that episode, like, stuck in my... I could, like, sing an uh, embarrassing amount of them. There's the one about body of Christ and his body of Christ sleek swimmer's body all muscled up and toned. <laughs> <laughs> it's fucking brilliant. It's so good. Like, there's another one of hinting towards Cartman's evil homosexuality. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. KTEL Records presents the most inspirational Christian rock band in the world, Faith Plus One, featuring the very best in good, wholesome Christian music. Oh Lord, you are my saviour You know I miss you so much when you are gone With great inspirational songs like I Wasn't Born Again Yesterday Yes, I may be born again But I wasn't born again yesterday I wanna get down on my knees and start pleasing Jesus I wanna feel his salvation all over my face The CD is filled with instant classics Who doesn't remember? The body of Christ, sleep, swim, his body all mustered up and toned. Body of Christ, oh what a body, I wish I could call it my own. You one tap, two tap, three tabs, my savior. Whenever I see Jesus up on that cross, I can't help but think that it looks kinda hot. This album is not available in stores and limited quantities are available, so order now. You mentioned Stefan, the character of Jimmy. 
And one of the best Ooh. Jimmy-centric episodes is Erection Day, where he... Ke- <laughs> it, this one's not particularly making a deep political point. It's where Jimmy wants to do a stand-up set for school talent show, but he keeps getting inconvenient erections. Uh, and I think <laughs> Chef... Maybe it's Chef, or is this after Chef's tenure on the show? Yeah, I think Chef's still involved with in this one. Yes, yeah, you're right, because the first episode of the next season is The Return of Chef, which I think we should return to The Return of Chef in a second, just because... <laughs> We didn't talk about the formal qualities of that episode, which made it so <laughs> innovative. But in Erection Day, I think Chef advises Jimmy, go out and bang a sex worker in order to get over your erections. Jimmy goes and picks up a prostitute called Nut Gobbler and, and has sex with her. And he's meant to be like nine or ten in this episode. Um, <laughs> No, Butters tells him. Butters gives him the <laughs> advice. At first, Jimmy takes her out for dinner because he doesn't really realise how prostitution works. And then she's like, no, no, it's fine. You don't need to do this. You can just bang me. But her pimp comes along. And so Jimmy has to, like, fight off this pimp. He fights off a pimp, has sex with Nut Gobbler, goes along to the school talent show, immediately gets an erection on stage. <laughs> So fucking stupid, man. Beautiful. With the return of Chef, yeah. we're talking about that, but the deliberate choice to have Isaac Hayes to use his voice, but then to edit it in such a way that the editing is clear, that it's clear that you're using his words against him. Yeah. But like they keep editing him to say the phrase, I want to make love to you children. Yeah. <laughs> 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 so, they, they use that song from the first season where he's like, I'm going to make love to a woman. I'm going to lay you down by the fire. I'm going to make love to you, woman. Going to lay you down by the fire. And caress your womanly body, make you moan and perspire. Gonna get those juices flowing. We're making love, baby, love, baby, love, 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 baby. Yeah. Huh? I'm gonna make love to your children. (laughs) (laughs) Hello there, children. Hey, Chef. How's it going? Good. Well, how about I meet you boys after work and we can make love? Excuse me? Come on, children. You're my sexual fantasy. Let's all make sweet love. Chef? Uh, Are you okay? I want to stick my balls inside your rectum, Kyle. Dude, what are you saying? I'm going to make love to your asshole, children. Uh, yeah, so that's the episode where Chef returns to South Park and they're all happy, but he's joined a thing called the Super Adventure Club. Uh, I think I tried to come up with like a open labour Starmer equivalent of this, like the Super Centrist <laughs> Club or something recently, but I, I don't know. But basically they're a group, they travel the world, go to exotic locations and have sex with the young boys there. They've brainwashed Chef. They even, in a pretty big coup for the nerds they actually get peter serafinowicz who voiced darth maul or is it darth vader he voiced in darth maul he did i'm not a south not a i'm a south park guy not a star wars guy um but they get the guy who did that darth character (laughs) to play darth chef at the end because the chef death scene is fucking incredible it's like how mcgruber kills cunt at the end of that classic (laughs) film where mcgruber like oh so good mcgruber throws him off a cliff 
shoots him with a, with a machine gun, fires a rocket at him that then explodes, and then he pisses on the remains. In The Return of Chef, and this was actually four years before MacGruber was made, Chef gets shot by the Super Adventure Club, falls down off this rickety bridge a long way, gets impaled on a rock, and then eaten by, like, a bear and a wolf or something. Like, they're two vicious animals come it's along. It's like he's definitely not coming back. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> These two vicious animals start fighting over his corpse. Yes, I can remember that Taking over his remains. Like, yeah. Taking over an arm. And yeah. then Cartman's like, no, no, it's fine, guys, because uh, I read that uh, <laughs> you, you don't, somebody hasn't died until they shit themselves. And then Chef promptly shits himself in the most grotesque <laughs> way. <laughs> oh, so amazing. So good, man. R.I.P. Isaac Hayes. Oh, yeah. you know what would be funny to talk about for a minute? The South Park album that came out in <laughs> on the late 90s at the peak of the show as a cultural phenomenon. Yes. Yeah. Uh, what's it called? Hey? Chef Aid, no, isn't it? Chef Aid, yeah. 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 So, I literally just typed that into my phone. <laughs> Chef Aid's a really yeah. good episode, isn't it? Which I guess mm-hmm. the album was named after, but it's one that features cameos from like Elton John. Bear people. Oh, yeah, yeah. Al- Alanis Strand Morissette. Basically, Alanis Morissette rips Chef off in the episode. She has a song which plagiarizes Chef's song, Stinky Britches, which he wrote in the 70s. Um, however, the record company executive decides to sue him for harassment for this. The executive wins the lawsuit, and Chef has 24 hours to come up with the money, or he will face a four year prison sentence. It's a great. We were talking earlier about, like, music industry assholes and this is a great portrayal of this character he has this cream that he keeps smoothing down his two hairs on his bald head with he hires johnny cochran to defend the record company and cochran employs for chewbacca defense so basically it turns out that chef helped all these musicians including joe strummer rancid ozzy osbourne ween Primus, Elton John, Meatloaf, <laughs> Rick James, DMX, and Devo all get ahead in their careers. So they hold a benefit concert for him. It's amazing, man. It was such a ridiculous get to get Isaac Hayes on it at yeah. all. But apparently, yeah. it just derives from like they had one acid trip where they just started talking in the chef voice. So they had to hire someone to do the chef voice. <laughs> so they spent like hours, minutes, it felt like hours just going, hey, baby. To each other. <laughs> 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 so Chef Aid the album was produced primarily by Rick Rubin. It featured <laughs> it featured It's all beautifully nineties and yeah. It's such a fucking nineties documentary. I know. It, so it features tracks from Primus, the South Park theme. Primus are very South Park core. Primus and Ween. Like, I'm quite a big Ween fan, but I definitely associate them with the kind of irreverent spirit of 90s South Park and can see that they're totally in Trey Parker's wheelhouse. Because he's obviously a musician and writes quite a lot of songs for the show. And, well, they're often specific parodies of existent types of songs, but you get the sense that given free reign, it's a very, like, 90s alt-rock kind of naughty sort of weird... What can I say other than Les Claypool and Primus? Strange... Mm strange music but anyway following that they've got a song performed by ozzy osbourne dmx an old dirty bastard <laughs> a 
fucking hell. <laughs> it's amazing. So fucking good, man. Well, like, I used to have that album, but like most of it is unlistenable. There's one really, really good Isaac Hayes song on it, which is called Simultaneous. Oh. It's about group sax. Written by Trey Parker. Fucking, yeah, it's a great, great song. I, I think I remember that one from the show, like. actually. Yeah. I, I love uh, one like, of my favorite chef songs is a prostitute is someone who will love you no matter who you are. <laughs> <laughs> what do you look like? Yeah, yeah. good too. But a prostitute is someone who would love you no matter who you are. What you look like? Yes, it's true, children. But that's not why you pay a prostitute. No, you don't pay for her to stay. You pay her to leave afterward. That's why I praise the Lord for prostitutes. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. James Taylor. A prostitute is like any other woman. They all trade something for sex, and they do it well. That's why I say prostitutes, prostitutes, they all. James Taylor, what the hell are you doing in here? Saying about prostitutes to the children. Get out of here. These children tricked me. <laughs> but yeah, man. But like the musical element of the show is the thing which hugely elevates it. Because Simpsons always got like song parodies and stuff in there. But he's obviously got that enormously successful musical. But like, the first Trey Parker film is a film called Cannibal Musical, which he produced as like a student film. And there are songs in that that recur throughout South Park. It's obviously doing musicals is like, his goal in life. Yeah. And then he said, that to me is like Seth MacFarlane obviously from Family Guy is the same thing. But there is like a hidden, like to a lesser or greater extent, theatre kid energy. Oh god, yeah. He, to, like, he does Park like albums and show <laughs> tunes and stuff. It's like leave it to yeah. Dylan, mate. <laughs> <laughs> but it's obviously like these blokes who were performing in Guys and Dolls and stuff when they were in school. <laughs> and then somehow managed to find some way of making this more socially acceptable to sing show tunes. <laughs> so like just burst into song. The only musical that I know or like is the South Park film. <laughs> yeah, yeah it's a, it is a full-on musical <laughs> yeah. as well. There's loads yeah. of songs in that. I was just going to go through the rest of the track listing for South Park album, because this is great. Yeah, so they've got yeah Isaac Hayes as chef singing Chocolate Salty Balls. Which was the big hit. That was, it was content- massive, contending yeah. for Christmas number one, if I remember, the year it came out. <laughs> yeah. Which is mad. A Trey Parker original. Then you have a Rancid song. Then you have Eric Cartman covering sticks <laughs> then you have master p <laughs> you, then you have isaac hayes uh, the song simultaneously that stefan mentioned in character as chef again written by trey parker then you have mace puffy lil kim and system of a down on the same track <laughs> It's like I really want to listen to this now. It's all on Spotify though. So Puffy, Puffy on. had actually worked with South Park before they did the Vote or Die thing. <laughs> then, yeah, you've got Perry Farrell from Jane's Addiction performing a Trey Parker song called Hot Lava. Then you've got Wyclef Jean featuring <laughs> the South Park boys. Then Isaac Hayes again, Chef again rather. Then you've got an Elton John song called Wake Up Wendy, written by Elton and Bernie Torpin. So like a full on, like straight up John Torpin original. Moose Tea. Whoever the fuck Moose Tea is. I don't, I'm Do you not, not remember Moose Tea versus Hot Juicy with a big hit, Horny. Yeah, yeah. Hit, in fact. It's, it's just that. So that's, that's the one, the yeah, Horny. 
exactly. Fuck, this is such a powerful sense memory of being like alive when I was this 12 is, years old. This is man. pure undistilled 1998. Like, there is it's nothing more 1998 time. than this. Then you've got Devo <laughs> performing Love Gravy. <laughs> then, like, these guys were kind enough at a difficult point in his life to offer some work to struggling artist Ike Turner to collaborate with Rick James, another artist with his share of troubles, on a Trey Parker song called Love Gravy. (laughs) Ned Gablansky, the character from the show covering Feel Like Making Love by Bad Company. Then you have a Ween song called The Rainbow. Then another chef song that's a duet with Meatloaf. (laughs) then you have the song it's a rockin world written by joe strummer and performed by strummer with a super group including flea and tom morello and ben montench (laughs) from tom petty and the heartbreakers (laughs) then you have primus performing mephisto and kevin then vitro mentally dull think tank remix featuring the cast of South Park and then hidden track Trey Parker as Eric Cartman performing Kyle's mom is a big fat bitch (laughs) I think I got that from the music library so like it would have been like the local council or whatever (laughs) paid to purchase that and then I like you know paid 20 pence to get it at the music library (laughs) for a week or something It's bewildering, like, you know the Simpsons phenomenon, like, the Simpsons were fairly good about parodying this in their own show and stuff, but it was. I cannot describe how saturated the world was with, like, South Park merch at this exact moment in history. Yeah. It makes perfect sense, they would have, like, released an entire cash-in album. Like, some of the gets on that are unreal, like, I'd forgotten that Joe Strammer was on it, for example. (laughs) Ridiculous. It's just daffy fucking shit, but also, it's Tells you how much money they had to throw around. Mm-hmm. That obviously there are people there who wouldn't be particularly interested in contributing to the South Park universe. We're probably just induced to like an enormous paycheck yeah. to record like a fucking cover of Sail Away. Or <laughs> like uh, Rick, so Rick James is just like mentally like, how much cocaine could I buy of this paycheck? Yes, I'll do it. <laughs> I just remembered the sort of sheer volume of shit South Park merch there was around 1998-1999. Probably not been seen since the start of The Simpsons which was it a was bit wild, weird. man. Yeah. It was like, people had like tiny dolls of the characters. <laughs> yes. So you like going to school and people like collected them and he was like, oh, you know, yeah. the kids like build up their collection. I remember there was like one, unfortunately, sort of dorky kid and his parents obviously had enough money to get him all of the dolls at once <laughs> and he was like trying to ride this for as much street crowd as he could. <laughs> <It's just laughs> He's fucking... like, oh, I'm making <laughs> Cartman act out the episode The Passion of the Jew. She's <laughs> <laughs> like a sent to the fucking headmaster. Like, it was a proper cultural phenomenon. So it does feel like it's fallen off. Like you said, obviously, they're still getting paid fucking, you know, they're still richer than God or Larry David. Right? <laughs> yeah, they're still, they're Same still thing. fucking loving it. <laughs> So in terms of their approach, like the increased political correctness of the show, I still think there are some traces of the old South Park, like when they introduced the character of Caitlyn Jenner. 
I think the show was still probably a little bit transphobic. And so even though they've kind of dropped that element of their humour now, they still have part of their Caitlyn Jenner character. Part of the jokes are like, yeah, she's a rich asshole who fucking kills people running them over and gets away with it. Um, (laughs) That's fine. But then the other side of it is they just portray her as having like a really fucked up face, the way they animate her. And that's kind of stayed. (laughs) They did like an entire episode which is about the trans character deliberately defining as females to annoy their ex-partner, their female ex-partner. And they have an entire episode about how trans rights are fine, but they shouldn't be allowed to compete in sports. Oh, yeah, that episode sucked, still They still do yeah. fucking... Yeah, it was quite bad. Like, <laughs> but it was, um, yeah, again, if you start bluntly describing these things, and they seem a thousand times worse than they are in context, but they are still pretty fucking bad in context. Yeah, I think that was like 2015, and I think that things have progressed since then to the point that they wouldn't do that now. Mm. In the UK, Matt and Trey's British equivalents would probably have got more <laughs> transphobic in that time. Yeah, yeah. But in the well, US, things are different, like... and I think that... Again, like, these guys are effectively now, like, rich liberals, uh, and that <laughs> wouldn't go down well in their social circles, probably. That's the thing, for good I mean, reason. Like, what happened, obviously, with Gremlin was that he was making this type of joke in that sort of time frame, but, like, ten years later, wasn't it, in the IT crowd? And someone sort of pointed out, like, oh, this really, like, an odd thing that you've got, you know, a character, a trans character getting the shit kicked out of them just for being trans. <laughs> His reaction to that was to become an enormous transphobe. Whereas I don't think South Park, they shit. sort of haven't responded to people being like, oh, why you've got all these sort of grotesque trans characters by putting more grotesque trans characters and more, like, abusive stuff towards the trans community in their comedy, you know what I mean? And, like, also, they aren't smug enough or fucking self-satisfied enough to basically quit their comedy writing job to become a full-time activist because they don't think that what they have to say on the trans issue is so important that it's worth losing a career over, which is something that can't be said for their peers in the UK of the same time period, like doing the same sort of daffy shit that they were doing at the same time. Hey, sorry, my computer just uh, booted me off for call for some reason. <laughs> it's fine, man. I was talking shit anyway. It's fine. That was good, yeah. One episode yeah. I wanted to mention. I occasionally find it alienating when they do these episodes about, I guess, like video games and stuff like that. I'm not saying video games are childish. Necessarily. But sometimes, like, (laughs) and I know they are what kids play. On the other hand, if you're going to portray people Cartman, Kyle, Stan and Kenny's age, then they are going to be into video games. Mm. As someone who isn't into that, I get the sense like, wow, Matt and Trey have loads of downtime and loads of money to like play every video game that takes their fancy at the age of like 50, whatever. And fair play, like my equivalent to that would be if I was as rich. You had infinite disc, disc space. Exactly. Like. Yeah, yeah, I'd be downloading everything off SoulSeek. No, every, I would li- every I'd be, bootleg in existence I'd, ever. I'd be buying a lot of albums and stuff. I get that, but I sometimes don't find it very funny. I'm just like, I don't care. It's just not relatable for you. Yeah, like, this isn't on my radar, so I I don't get... And and it's not just video games, but occasionally just kind of, like, fads or some stupid consumer product that, I guess, wealthy Americans are currently buying that week. I'm just like, 
I'm not going to remember this in... Well, sorry, you're not going to remember this thing in two years. Like, I've never heard of it to start with. But I'd never heard of Magic the Gathering before their Cock Magic episode, I don't think. You do not need to know about Magic the Gathering to find that episode fucking hysterical. It's literally one of the funniest episodes they've done in years, I think. This was just the season before that bad transphobic episode that Stefan mentioned that... This is the one where the boys get into these underground cockfighting rings where the cocks, <laughs> which are held in the basement of various Chinese restaurants, and the cocks fight by playing Magic the Gathering, <laughs> a card game for those like me who don't know about that kind of thing. Like, so they, the boys get really into this, and Randy, Stan's dad, who becomes a huge character as the show goes on. Like, Randy's basically, like, yeah, I guess yeah. he's Trey's surrogate. He's the main adult character in the show now. Mm-hmm. He's beautiful. I love Randy, but he's like an avatar of like pure stupidity. Yeah. He just does what it <laughs> like there's no malice or anything behind him, but he just does whatever seems the most appropriate thing to him at any given time. Just to divert there's the episode where they lose the internet and it becomes like a sort of John Steinbeck party. Yeah. Because like all the all the families <laughs> travelling across the country to try and find Wi Fi. And then he goes yeah. into a hat. And there's someone drawing pornography for him, and he's demanding, <laughs> demanding like increasingly outlandish pornographic stuff. <laughs> and then, and then he, uh, he, 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 he sneaks into where they've got the one computer with the internet in the camp, like this big internet refugee camp. He goes, he goes in there and and has a wank this is why he's upset he hasn't got the internet because he's like clearly developed a huge yeah. addiction to <laughs> masturbating constantly to incredibly <laughs> depraved internet porn he goes in there and there's just like the it's just drenched in cum and then his family and the guards and stuff all come in and he's just like uh it's ectoplasm. There, there, there was a ghost <laughs> a spooky ghost <laughs> what is that Sounds like someone's being attacked by a tiger. Get the keys, we gotta get in there. What the? Dad, Randy! Oh, uh, there was a, there was a ghost. This, this ectoplasm. Did you see the ghost? It ran through here, it, it slimed me. You son of a bitch! Oh, that wasn't me. That was a spooky ghost. So, what happens in the cockfight episode? Just well, a, a dog leg off. Well, he has a. He finds out that the boys are playing cock magic, and he has a very different definition of cock magic, which is literally, <laughs> literally just like a magic show with involving one's penis. So, like, he pulls his penis out from behind someone's ear or something. <laughs> <laughs> or at one point he freezes his penis and then shoots it off and he does he does this at the end he comes along to the illegal game of cock magic the boys are playing at and he performs his cock magic on stage just as the police come in to break up the match <laughs> and then all the police are just spellbound by this amazing show of, of penis centric magic God and damn, and everyone like gets show, out it? while like... they're watching him do it. <laughs> like, there was a fucking magic act in the early noughties that were called Puppetry of the Penis. <laughs> and they did like a sort of touring show in the UK. I think they were British. But they were just like, I think they may have come to my town. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah. <laughs> so they were like sort of Edinburgh acted like tour after Edinburgh. You know? Fantastic. But, yeah, so that, that type of thing. Like, yeah, and I wasn't that impressed by the pandemic specials, but I've just seen that that episode Mexican Joker, where Cartman gets <laughs> Kyle deported, was actually in the most recent season. Their last full season was 2019, just before COVID. So oh. they've still got the capacity to do good episodes and satirical episodes and yeah, i guess well, it remains to be seen where they'll go next they'll probably just continue being one of the most obscene things <laughs> on tv so i feel like they even like being myself i still feel like bad describing some of these things <laughs> so obviously they're doing something right but he is i don't want to get again too much about this but he is like a sort of singular talent i can't think mm. of somebody who's you know like the fucking where they talk about the egot or whatever the, you know the emmy the Grammy, the Oscar, the Tony. Yeah. But he's like that, except that people don't give him awards because his stuff is violently obscene. <laughs> I think they got a fucking Pulit- uh, Peabody Award for satire once. He's just like a man one in like a. <laughs> it's just yeah. showed those global warming <laughs> assholes. No, I mean, I think South Park at its best is satire on the obscene level of Salo or 120 Days of Sodom, <laughs> which is truly the greatest work of satire of the 20th century. Pasolini was just like, these Nazis are depraved fucks who want to make poor people eat shit. It's literally mm. Trey Parker levels of broad in that film, although obviously there's a lot going on <laughs> subtext-wise and so on. At its core, you, sim- <laughs> you have a picture of painted of fascist moral depravity that Trey Parker and Matt Stone have at their best spent much of the last 25-odd years doing for American society. So, mm. Well, yeah, we, yeah. I think we better leave it with that, that Trey Parker is passing. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we're going to do. That's the takeaway. I'm not going to top that. Yeah. yeah. Well, South Park, Salo, Gapecast... These are the satires that really actually identify some of the absurdity of, uh, of modern life and are not afraid to show all the ugliness that is there. Yeah, they must have the line in it of J.G. Ballard quote off of Holy Bible about rubbing the human face in his own vomit <laughs> and forcing it to look in the mirror. That's what South Park is. Exactly. That's what it is. <laughs> well, yeah, we should call it a day then. We've been talking a long time. I want to belatedly eat some of this Chinese food. Nice man, be careful with the rice, isn't it? Don't make sure it's piping hot. Oh yeah, yeah, good call. <laughs> It'll be fine. A premier rice advice podcast. <laughs> Alright guys, really fun to talk. Bye. Bye everyone, peace out. Cheers for coming on, Stefan. Yeah, Welcome thanks, on. Stefan. Awesome. I think that's the longest file I've ever fucking recorded. <laughs> oh wow. Welcome yeah, to the I show. Mean, we've recorded <laughs> <it> longer. <laughs> <laughs> Baby, you the one for me and all that I want to be is you and me and her simultaneous you and me and you and you simultaneous loving baby two and three simultaneous Make it fast, take my ass to town Have an open mind Send my cows away Ring my bell, you fat pig away What the hell, today's your lucky day You and me 
and her Simultaneous you and me And we know the rider Simultaneous loving, baby Two or three Simultaneous Ooh, Come on Have an open mind It's a normal thing to do Don't be prude, just get nude or you're being rude I would do it for you Baby, please have an open mind You're the only one I love These girls you're seeing, baby, they don't mean anything Let's all get in the tub You and me and her too Simultaneous you and me and your mama and your sister Simultaneous loving, baby Two or three Simultaneous Ow! Come on! It's tech, it's exciting, it's young people, it's crowdsourcing <laughs>